Hello, this is Stacy Gibson. Welcome to my podcast. Uh, as promised on my promo earlier on Facebook, uh, tonight's podcast will be the faith of our founding fathers. The faith of our founding fathers. I will pray real quick. Dear Lord, I thank you for all that you do. And in Jesus' name, I pray the Holy Spirit would help me to speak truth, dear God, tonight. Help me, Father, dear Lord, uh, to speak only what you would have me to say. Help me, dear God, to uh, be used by you in a mighty way. And dear God, I also pray for all the listeners that you'd open up ears, hearts, and minds to receive truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, uh, it takes faith to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And by the way, I'm a little bit under the weather, so excuse my voice tonight. But it takes faith to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And some people simply do not have faith. They are part of the seen as believing crowd. And I'm going to give you a text here in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. It's about uh, the Queen of Sheba when she visits Solomon. You know, she came to visit Solomon and she had heard that how great and wise and how God had blessed Solomon, but she had to see it for her own self. You know, just like a, a lot of people do today, they have to see to believe. But, and it, go, it goes on, let's go ahead and read it. It says, and she said to the king, King Solomon here, uh, it was a true report that I heard in my own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believe not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Now she is saying here that, wow, it's even better than what I heard. And, you know, and that, that's often uh, true when, with a lot of people that accept Jesus Christ. They hear about it, but then they take that step of faith. And, boy, they, and then they realize, hey, this is better than I thought. <laughs> right? Well, it, I'm kind of going with that theme because, you know, uh, I have uh, recently took a trip to Washington because I wanted to, to see for myself. You know, you can hear about all the things uh, where there's scripture in, in Washington, how uh, there's the, I visited the Museum of the Bible. I uh, visited the Washington Monument, and you know, and I know that we've all heard how George Washington had faith, and uh, and our founding fathers had faith. You know, and I've done a lot of research on this, but you know, seeing was believing in my own eyes. You know, I wanted to go there so uh, and take pictures and and see things for myself, and uh, and uh, I'm going to start out with the. Uh, with uh, with with the uh, where where it all began with the Mayflower coming over. Uh, now many people have heard the story of how uh, we left a land that did not allow freedom and liberty to worship God the way we wanted to. And so two ships set sail to find hope and freedom in a new land. In 1620, about 40 saints joined a much larger group of secular colonists. They set sail from Southampton, England on two merchant ships, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. Now the Speedwell began to leak almost immediately. However, so they headed back and all of them squeezed onto the Mayflower and headed out under Captain Christopher Jones. Now the delay caused them to cross the Atlantic at the height of the storm season, which caused them a lot of trouble. God had a plan and Satan will always try to thwart, try to mess up the plans that we have. 
Now, God's, uh, it's called, he's always going to try to mess up God's plan. And, you know, he wanted to seek the speed well, and he definitely wanted to crash and, and sink the uh, Mayflower as well. He didn't want this to happen. But it's about after 66 days, about two miserable months at sea, they reached the New World. And the Mayflower Compact was made. Now, the compact was a set of rules for self-governance established by the English settlers who traveled. It established the colonists would remain loyal subjects to King James, despite their need for self-governance. Now, they would create and enact laws, ordinance, acts, constitutions, and offices for the good of the colony. And abide by those laws, they would have one society and work together to further it. And they would live in accordance with the Christian faith. What? Did you just say that? Did I? Did you just say what I thought you said? <laughs> yes, live in accordance with the Christian faith. Uh, and I ask you to read the compact, but I guess I'm going to read it here in just a few minutes myself. But having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. So I'll start out there. Let's go ahead and read the Mayflower Compact. In the name of God, amen. We, whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of faith, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in northern parts of Virginia, do by these present solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body po po politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid and by virtue hereof to enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal laws, ordinance, acts, and constitutions, and offices from time to time as shall be th thought most meet and convenient for the general good of the colony unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. In witness whereof we have hereunto subscribed our names at Cape Cod, the 11th of November, in the year of the reign of our sovereign Lord King James of England, France, and Ireland, the 18th of Scotland, and the 54th, and it was 1620. It was Mr. John Carver, William Bradford, Mr. Edward Winslow, Mr. William Brewster, Mr. Isaac uh, Allerton, Captain Miles Standish, John Alden, John Turner, Francis Eaton, James Chilton, John Cragstone, John Billington, M Moses Fletcher, John Goodman, Mr. Samuel Fuller, Mr. Christopher Martin, Mr. William Mullins, Mr. William White, Mr. Richard Warren, John Holloway, Holland, Mr. Stephen Hopkins, D uh, Degory Priest, Thomas Williams, Gilbert Winslow, Edmund Margison, Peter Brown, Richard uh, Bridridge, George Soule, Edward Tilly, John Tilly, Francis Cook, Thomas Rogers, Thomas 
Tinkler or Tinker, John Rigsdale, Edward Fuller, Richard Clark, Richard Gardner, John Allerton, Thomas English, Edward Dottie, and Edward Leister. Now, forgive me if I've mispronounced any of these names, uh, but I, uh, I believe I got most of them right there. And uh, that's the Mayflower Compact. And, you know, and that's what it says. It, it does say, say that, what? To live in accordance with the Christian faith. So are these people that came on the, the, the list of people I read here, you know, we, we know right now that there was 100 to 102 people made the journey, but 47 died in the first winter. And these people, they struggled. It was a battle to get here. It was a battle when they left. It was a battle when they got here. But it was all... God had his hand on each and every one of them, and God had his hand in, in, in this uh, journey, in, in this creating of, of this America that we have now, the land of the free. And so now, uh, so I want to look at uh, look at some things, and we're going to get into some quotes of the Founding Fathers and, and everything. But before I do that, I, w- I do want to read some little mystery. Uh, I, I want to read something that, that, that I think, think you'll find interesting. It says a a university professor challenged his students with this question. Did God create everything that exists? Now a student bravely replied, yes, he did. God created everything. The professor asked, yes, sir, the student replied. The professor answered, if God created everything, then God created evil since evil exists and according to the principle that our works define who we are, then God is evil. The professor was quite pleased with himself and boasted to the students that he had proven once more that the Christian faith was a myth. Another student raised his hand and said, May I ask you a question, professor? Of course, the professor replied. The student stood and asked, Professor, does cold exist? The professor replied, of course it exists. Have you ever been cold? The student snickered at the young man's question. Or the students, you know, the rest of them. Now the young man replied, in fact, sir, cold does not exist. According to the laws of physics, what we consider cold is really the absence of heat. Every body or object is susceptible to, the, to study when it has or transmits energy. And heat is what makes a body or matter have or transmit energy. Absolute zero, which is 460 degrees Fahrenheit, is the total absence of heat. Cold does not exist. We have created this world to describe how we feel if we have no heat. The student continued, Professor, does darkness exist? professor responded, of course it does. The student replied once again, you are wrong, sir. Darkness does not exist either. Darkness is in reality the absence of light. Now light we can study, but not darkness. In fact, we can use Newton's prism to break white light into many colors and study the various wavelengths of each color. You cannot measure darkness. A simple ray of light can break into a world of darkness and illuminate it. How can you know how dark a certain space is? 
You measure the amount of light present. Isn't this correct? Darkness is a term used by man to describe what happens when there is no light present. Finally, the young man asked the professor, Sir, does evil exist? Now, uncertainly, the professor responded, Of course, as I have already said, we see it every day. It is in the daily example of man's humanity to man. It is the multitude of crime and violence everywhere in this world. These manifestations are nothing else but evil. To the student's reply, evil does not exist, sir, or at least it does not exist unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. It is just like darkness and cold, a world that man has created to describe the absence of God. God did not create evil. Evil is a result of what happens when man does not have God's love present in his heart. It is like the cold that comes where there is no heat or the darkness that comes when there is no light. Now, no one remembers the name of this professor, but we've all heard of the student. His name was Albert Einstein. I thought that was interesting. I figured I'd read that. It does take faith to believe in God, but once you do, take that step of faith. And I trust you, each and every one of you listening would do that. You know, it's just simple. You ask God into your heart. Ask, you know, I've, I've often said take a two-week challenge, three-week challenge, four-week challenge. Get your get a Bible. Start reading it and praying to God and ask Him. You know, uh, I, I had to throw that in there. I mean, because th- this is about faith. And I wanted to, like I said, I want to get back to the faith of our founding fathers. Now, uh the Declaration of Independence of the 13 Colonies, I want to read a quote from there. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of governor becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government. Uh, What am I saying there? Well, I'm going to throw a little politics in. Uh, I just pray right now for our president, and that is President Donald uh, J. Trump, and he's been acquitted now, and and I thank God for that. And I just want to say, you know, it's, it's up to us people. We got to be praying. We've got to be doing things. We've got to be stand up for rights. We need to call our senators, our governors, and and let our voices be heard. And that's one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I want my voice to be heard. Um, I wanted to let's get back to the faith of our founding fathers here. I want to look at just some of the founding fathers here uh, that hold uh, divinity degrees. Now you may say, "Well, that's nothing," you know. Okay, but yeah, well, it is something. I, I do believe that we have uh, a total of fifty-seven uh, that 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 are uh, that hold these degrees, if I'm not mistaken here. But let's just we'll go and start. I said in Massachusetts, uh, John Hancock, Samuel Adams, John Adams. Robert Treat Payne, and Elbridge Gary. In Connecticut, Roger Sherman, uh, William Williams, and Oliver Wolcott. In New York, Philip Livingston and Lewis Morris. In New Jersey, Richard Stockton, John Witherspoon, 
Francis Hopkins, Hopkinson, in Pennsylvania, Benjamin Rush, in Delaware, Thomas McKean, in Maryland, Charles Carroll, in Virginia, George Wythe, Thomas Jefferson, in Carter Braxton, in North Carolina, William Hopper, or Hooper, excuse me, South Carolina, Edward Rulledge, and in Georgia, Lyman Hall. Now, those are just a few, and I'm going to touch on a few things here as well. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, of course, for the sake of time, I won't have time to go over every uh, quote or in every person that that, uh, that has graduated with, with a divinity degree. Now, and you may say, well, they just did that because it was the easiest degree to get, maybe, possibly. No, I, bl- I really do believe that if you're going to go for a divinity degree, well, you, you're doing it for a reason, uh, same as today. And we're hopefully not doing it for the wrong reasons, absolutely. Uh, I have a, I, I shared a picture today on my Facebook page uh, uh, about uh, the, uh, George Washington's prayer, the, his prayer at Valley Forge, where there's a picture of him kneeling uh, by his horse and praying. And I know there's been a lot of people that have uh, rebuted this and, and said that, oh, that some people believe it and some people think it's a myth. And But, but I, I got some actual information here that, you know, and I do believe it's true because one of the things that a lot of people don't know about George Washington, he lost most every battle he was ever in, but he won the ones that can't, he, he won the ones that counted. When, it, when, when we needed him most, he was there and he was victorious. But George Washington was the United States founding father, most likely to be interpreted are inter- interrupted while praying, excuse me, by those who came to see him. His prayer at Valley Forge was well-known fact until the latter half of the 20th century when the United States is, is in the process of replacing Christianity with secular humanism, allowed itself to believe that the prayer was merely sentimental uh, uh, sentimental legend. So, uh, you know, it was really everybody believed it until this point, and you know we know we know that uh, that's what happened later on. That people came in and 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 tried to to secularize everything and with humanism and, and all that and and stuff. But the account of this particular prayer comes from Isaac Potts, a Valley Forge resident who was 26 years old at the time. Now Isaac Potts was a Quaker, like many other Quakers, he was opposed to war, and therefore a loyalist who was one who sided with the British during the American Revolutionary War. But even though opposed to the American effort, while George Washington and the Continental Army were camped at Valley Forge, Isaac supervised the the grinding and delivery of the grain which Washington had requested that local farmers provide for the Army. The fullest account of Isaac's Potts' encounter with Washington's praying comes from the diary and remembrances of Reverend Nathaniel Randolph Snowden from 1770 to 1851. Now, he was an ordained uh, Presbyterian minister and a graduate of Princeton University. And here's what he wrote. He says, I was riding with Mr. Potts in Montgomery County, uh, Pena near uh, near to the Valley Forge, where the army lay during the War of Ye Revolutionary. Mr. Potts was a senator in our state and a, of a Whig party, I guess, and I am told, uh, told him I was agreeably surprised to find him a friend to his country as the Quakers were mostly uh, Tories. He said it was so, and I was a rank Tory once, for I never believed that American 
uh, proceeded against Great Britain, whose fleets and armies covered the land and ocean, but something very extraordinary converted me to the good faith. What was that? I inquired. Do you see that woods and that plain? It was about a quarter of a mile off from the place where we were riding. As it happened there, he said, lay the army of Washington. It was most distressing time of the year uh, of you war, and all were for, for giving up the ship, but that great and good man in that woods pointed to a close-in view. I heard a plaintive sounds as a man at prayer, of a man at prayer. I tied my horse to a sapling and went quietly into the woods. And to my astonishment, I saw the great George Washington on his knees alone with his sword on his side and his cocked hat on the other. He was at prayer to the God of the armies, beseeching to impose with his divine aid as it was ye, as it was ye crisis and the cause of the country of humanity and of the world. Now such a prayer I never heard from the lips of a man. I left him alone praying. I went home and told my wife I saw a sight and heard today what I never saw and heard before. I just related to her what I had seen and heard and observed. We never thought a man could be a soldier and a Christian. But here there is one in the world. It was Washington. She also was astonished. We thought it was the cause of God and America could prevail. Very interesting. Here we have this account from Isaac Potts. Stumbling on to George Washington on his knees praying. Now, I would just like to say that's just one point. I know right now that there's uh, many others. We can look at uh, George Washington. Let's look at some of his quotes. It would be particularly improper to omit in this first official act my fervent supplications to the Almighty Being who rules over the universe, who presides in the councils of nations, and who provides aids can supply every human defect. No people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than those of the United States. Every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some taken and providential agency. We ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. It's a quote from George Washington. I have uh, one, another one of our United States founding fathers, John Hart. This a quote from him. It says, Thanks be given to Almighty God. Therefore, and knowing this, it is appointed for all men once to die, and after that the judgment. Principality, or principally, I give and recommend my soul into the hands of the Almighty God who gave it 
in my body to the earth to be buried in a descent and Christian-like manner to receive the same again and the general resurrection by the mighty power of God. United States Founding Father, Signer of the Declaration of Independence, John Hart, Last Will and Testament. United States Founding Father, Josiah Bartlett, quotes, Faith in God. First, I commit my soul into the hands of God. It is great and benevolent author, United States Founding Father, Signer of the Declaration of Independence, Last Will and Testament. Another founding father, William Williams. His biography notes that William Williams was a successful merchant, but it is difficult to imagine when he found the time. Born in 1731, he attended a common school uh, common school education. He attended Harvard and is a graduate in 1751. He then studied theology with his uh, father. He was the pastor of the First Congregational Church in Lebanon. Four years later, he joined his father's cousin as the French in the Indian War at Lake George. When he returned, he established himself in Lebanon as a merchant and also took a job as a town clerk. He held that position for 44 years. He was a selectman for 25 years, served the providential and later state legislator, legislator for nearly 40 years, during which time he was counselor, member, and speaker of the House. John Witherspoon. He was four years of a divinity school. At this point, he was 20. In 1743, he became a Presbyterian minister at the parish in, in Beath, where he married and authored three uh, notes works on theology, three noted works on theology. He was later awarded a Doctrine of Divinity from the University of St. Andrews. In Colonial America, he uh, in Colonial America, the best educated men were often found in the clergy. Hmm. Kind of makes you think that God had his hand on this and that God was with these men. God has been with America. God has blessed America. God continues to bless America each and every day. And we look at the economy, we look at uh, the, the division that is going on right now in America. Uh, boy, it is really time for us to, to get on our knees and pray. Now, I, I've uh, found many things in my trip to Washington, and I would like to go over some of the things I found in my trip. And, and re, I've read the quotes from the Founding Fathers here. We've talked about the compact and, and things. And I think you, if that wasn't evidence enough, let's, let's, let's move on. The Washington Monument has in Latin, Los Dio, at the very top of it. And it says, praise be to God. And that's what it means in the Latin. The house chamber all around the walls are 23 great lawgivers. However, Moses is the original lawgiver, which is God is the original lawgiver. You, you, Moses was used by God. But, he, but Moses is on, the only one honored with a full-face view. The uh, Cox Corridor of the Capitol is written, America, God shed His grace on thee. The Ten Commandments are found in many federal buildings across Washington, D.C. <clears throat> Washington, D.C. And a bronze statue of Moses is in the main reading room of the Library of Congress. 
The Washington Monument, as I spoke earlier, also has several scriptures carved into the blocks and the walls. Exodus 28, 26. Exodus 30, 30. Isaiah 23, 18. Zechariah 14, 20. John 5, 39. And Proverbs 10, 7. The Jefferson Memorial says, God who gave us life gave us liberty. The Lincoln Memorial, we are highly resolved that this nation under God and it goes on to say shall not perish from the earth. And we all know that Dr. Martin Luther King's great speech is based on Isaiah 40 and 5. That's 40 verses 4 and 5. In the Library of Congress is the display of a large uh, Gutenberg Bible and edged on the walls are Bible verses including the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. John 1 5, along with Proverbs 4 7, Micah 6 8, and Psalms 19 1. Now, this is a short version of what really exists in Washington, D.C. We can read or hear about what is there. However, just like the Queen of Sheba went to see, I also wanted to see. And that is why I went to Washington, D.C., to see for myself. If you don't know Jesus tonight as your personal Savior, As I've said many times before, I'm going to say this every podcast. Get you a Bible. Open it up and listen to this podcast over again. Go back and look at all these scriptures. Take a trip to Washington yourself and see that our founding fathers definitely had faith. And without faith, there's no way that I don't even think we could have lasted or existed this long. But but back to what I was saying, the, the... If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, get you a Bible. Read it. You know, read it for a few weeks and ask God to reveal Himself to you and just see what happens. But you can call on Him tonight. Just get get on your knees and, and say, Jesus, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. Jesus. Ask Him to come into your heart. All you got to do is ask and believe and repent. You know, I'm, I'm just going to admit, I'm a sinner. Yeah, we've all sinned. Each and every one of us sin every day. But you know, that sin debt's been paid. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And God gave His Son so that we could have life eternal. And you get on your knees and you call out to God and ask Him to come into your heart. Ask Him to be King in your life. Ask Him to to save you. And He will hear that prayer. Hey, this is Stacy Gibson. I'll say, God bless America. God help America. And God has blessed America. But God continue to bless America. Hey, you can find me on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram at Stacy Gibson 46. I'm at Twitter at Stacy Gibson 6. And uh, I hope to see you soon. God bless.